the Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. It calls to you who, the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, it goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, Andar Ola. I am Spud Goodman. Spud <laughs> <Bud> Goodman. <laughs> I come to you from the living room of my apartment, and I am guessing you just might be listening to this in your living room or, or bedroom. Most of us right now don't have many other rooms to hang out in, right? Okay, maybe a few of you have a rumpus room, but regardless, given the current public health situation worldwide, you know, life has changed a lot for everyone. I mean, I know now I'm not ashamed to order pizza more than twice a week. Uh, I sense no judgment from my neighbors these days, but I still try to limit it to no more than five nights a week. Dinner is served. Anyway, I should maybe introduce our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb, right now. If I can bring him up on the phone line, the the studio set up for me at home here. Just a sec. There's no engineer, so it's just me. You know, I'm not exactly technically. Okay, here we go. I gotta say, there's a good chance I could be screwing up here during the show, but bear with me if I accidentally hang up on someone. All right. Okay, I think I have him on the line now. Gerald, are you there? If so, there's no need to say more than affirmative. Yes. I'm on the line and ready to go. Hey, 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 dude, dude. You're not in Siberia. You're not calling from this. You, you live oh. like five miles away. Just oh, keep it sorry. down okay, a little. Yeah, Take it down yeah. a notch. Yeah, no, Spud, I'm here. Good. And, uh, listen, can I make a short statement given the fact that we're doing this show on a remote basis? I'll be brief. Yeah, okay, but don't take advantage of the situation and do one of your filibusters. Very well. I just want to say that the social distancing that we're now experiencing will pass someday soon, and we all just need to make the best of it. I feel hey, hey, I'm, that yeah, the- I'm, I'm kind of conflicted right now. What you're saying is on the money, and, uh, and I'm having yeah. a difficult time finding a reason to cut you off and move on. Are you finished? Just, uh, just about. I just want to say that board games, are what helps our family get through this ordeal. No, no. And hey, I, I have to disagree with the suggestion that playing checkers or Candyland is enough stimulation to get a family through weeks of isolation. Well, no way board games are more fun than watching something cool on, say, Netflix. You know, like, come on, come on, The Tiger King or, or, or a game of Clue, uh, Breaking Bad reruns or Operation. Uh, the, the new season of Money Heist, which is awesome, or, or Monopoly, it's no contest. Yes! Our, our listeners should understand your suggestions come from a single man who has resided alone in a bachelor apartment for years. Oh, yeah, so? Uh, well, that is between your between your three marriages. But yeah. outside of uh. your Aunt Dorothy, you must spend weeks without someone dropping by your apartment. Uh, so this social separation all of us are now following is something that you've practiced for many years. 
Look, alternative facts are not facts. Oh, oh, okay, I plead guilty to the charge and feel like I do speak for, for many who already led a Spartan lifestyle away from work. Yes, we can deal with this maybe easier than most, but th this whole deal still totally sucks. Okay, there's no doubt about that. It's, it's a horrible, heinous situation for billions around the world. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know I, I feel now like I did when I was in my 20s, looking at people who did, like, heroic things, soldiers, firemen, law enforcement... You know, people, astronauts, uh, got, you know, basically people who laid their lives on the line. And now we need to add to that hero list uh, doctors, nurses, EMTs, uh, grocery store staff, yeah. uh, you know, like postal service people, janitorial staff, and of course delivery people. You know, even though I, I'm, I'm old now, I still feel the same, I don't know, like embarrassed that I'm not doing something anything of value, you know? Like, like, you know, they're, they're legit heroes. And being a talk show host is maybe just, you know, one slot above a telemarketer on the human food chain. Shut up and dribble. Yeah, I, I get it. Us being entertainers on the radio is not something necessary Us? for the welfare of society. But, you know, Spud, at my other position of employment, South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum, South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. I feel strongly that selling carpet and linoleum is a real service to the community. You know, uh, everyone needs linoleum. Oh, uh, do they? Really? Yeah. Uh, that's essential? That's an essential sir. Ah, you know, well, we have to make the best of it regardless. Let's just let's just move on. That, that, that's why I said I would do this show here until we can go back to the studio. You know, hopefully someone is listening. This was the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration, period. So why, why don't we play a tune now so I, I can grab some more Funyuns in the kitchen? And you better believe I will be filing an expense request for reimbursement from the station for all my snacks and drinks during this lockdown. And maybe, you know, maybe I can even you know, deduct the stuff when I file my taxes, too. So anyway. Well, let's lead off the tunes with this one by prior show guest Kai Alfred Hillig. He is a mega talented singer songwriter who should be world famous by now. So, uh, hey, record label people, if there are any left out there, uh, sign this guy as he is great. Here is a cut off his 2017 release, Fossil, and it's titled Impotent Summer. you want and 
Since lovers could touch The lone broken horn of the new garbage truck Brings to mind the song that I wish that we'd sing Oh impotent summer, what a glorious hang
This is the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Uh, Spud, yeah? your first guest, I believe her name is, is this right, Kate the Chemist? Yeah. Is that her birth name? Yeah, I bet she always gets asked for a second piece of ID if that's what it says on her driver's license. All right, I don't want to, like, really sound stupid when I do this show today. Uh, Kate is a scientist. Uh, she's a professor at the University of Texas. She's on TV all the time. Her, her publicist calls her a Bill Nye the science guy in drag. Well, that's disturbing to know. Okay, so listen, should I change my name to be legally Gerald the co-host? Well, if you were really smart like Kate, maybe, but you're not, okay? Well, and, if, and if there was ever a time in world history where we need smart people, scientists, this is it. You know, way too much stupid around these days. You know, I feel science is overrated. I mean, sure, knowing how things occur and why, it's nice, but, you know, there's a plan for us all, and I'm satisfied with what I already know. And that is how we got into this jam we're now in. You know, maybe some of Kate's knowledge of stuff will rub off on you. That would be nice. Just, just put her through and hopefully she wasn't listening to your dumbness while on hold. Very well, here she is. But, you know, for the record, I'm, I'm not dumb. I love the poorly educated. Please welcome scientist and author Dr. Kate Bieberdorf, a.k.a. Kate the Chemist. How you doing? Hi, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Now, I have so many questions as I as I don't get to speak with many scientists. But before we get started, you know, <laughs> I, I want to thank you for your intelligence. It's, it's needed. It's really a needed commodity these days with what's going on around this country and the world, I got to tell you. so. Yeah, I agree. Science is more important than ever right now. Um, we, we are trusting our scientists to get us through the situation. Our doctors are stepping up. So I, I am with you. Intelligence is the way to go this year, this, well, this month at least. Right. <laughs> uh, you, you have a new book out titled Kate the Chemist, The Big Book of Experiments. And now that kids are home from school pretty much everywhere as a result of, you know, of, of the health crisis, the pandemic, is, is this book intended for all the parents who are now instantly homeschool teachers? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, when I wrote it back in May, I wasn't intending for this situation. I had no way of knowing this, but it, it ended up kind of being serendipitous that every single experiment that I picked was meant to be done at home safely in your kitchen. Um, when I was writing it back in May, I made the decision that I wanted to make sure that every single kid, no matter where they lived or what their socioeconomic status is, that they would have access to these experiments. So what that means is the materials are things that you probably already have in your kitchen right now, or there's a couple that you could order online um, that will be able to come to you. But yeah, the, the whole point of this is for parents and their kids to be able to do something fun. Um, it, I mean, you're stuck with your kids right now. You might as well do something fun and educational right. with them. Uh, so I highly recommend it. <laughs> well, you know, as some parents are not exactly skilled scientists, could any of these experiments maybe blow up the house or something? Because I know when I was a junior in high school, I almost blew myself up in chemistry class. I was just mixing, I think, hydrogen, fluoride, and something. I don't know what it was. It didn't end well. Ooh, that sounds terrible. Please don't do that. Uh, <laughs> what I have in my book is there's a messiness level factor every single on uh, every single experiment. So it's a scale out of three, and so you can see how messy this is going to be. Um, there's nothing, there's no huge explosions by any means. Um, like I said, I wanted to make sure that an eight-year-old could actually do all these experiments. 
Um, but there's definitely some that are, there's, there's moving fast, there's tons of bubbles, um, no, but just nothing that's going to blow your house up, that's what I'll say. <laughs> Alright, well what's your all-time favorite experiment? You know, something flashy that grabs the attention of everyone in the room? I love to breathe fire, honestly, that's my Ooh, favorite. Cool. Yeah, it's super easy. All you do is you take cornstarch and you spit it over a torch and you can breathe fire. But obviously there's some safety hazards, so you got to be careful about it. But it's so fun. Is that something you like pull out at like uh, holiday gathering, family gatherings and stuff? Uh, just, you know. Uh, yes, but I have a no science after drinking rule. So if it's earlier than the day, yes. But later in the day, absolutely not. No blow torches for me. All right. <laughs> uh, you, uh, you reside in Austin, right? Because you're, you're a professor at the University of Texas, science professor? Professor, that's correct. Hook them horns. All right, all right, super. Well, you know, as a scientist, in addition to being a chemist, how annoyed do you get when some of our leaders uh, make policy and operate from a position of basically being dumb? Dumb seems to be a, a I don't know, a condition that has uh, it's it's fairly prevalent. Let's put it that way. Well, yes, there's definitely some misinformation going out there right now that is uh, troubling. Um, I have a very hard time listening to certain leaders say things that, as a scientist, I know to be inaccurate. Um, so I'm recommending for everybody to go to the CDC or to the World Health Organization um, to get their information. We, we trust those sites. They're primarily accurate. Um, and if you allow me, I want to tell two, two things to your listeners. First thing is stop making hand sanitizer at home. CDC has run tests on it, and basically it is not as good, nearly as good as what you can buy in stores, so please just stop doing that. And the second thing is if you can't get your hands on hand sanitizer, please start scrubbing your hands. You need to wash your hands hard. And the virus itself isn't necessarily killed by the soap. It's the fact that it has a weak membrane. And so it's the scrubbing factor, You, the fact that you're using your hands and your nails in a scrub brush and you're breaking the virus apart. You have to scrub for 20 seconds, not just like nicely move soap over your hands. So, so I guess in essence, uh, when when you're uh, trying to uh, deliver any information on the situation, uh, use uh, facts and knowledge, and don't pull stuff out of your butt. Is basically what you're saying. That I'm pretty. That's exactly what I said. Yeah, facts. I'm a scientist, man. I like data. I like facts. I like I like information that's been derived off of facts. I would say don't just make stuff up on national television. That's a bad idea. Yeah, right. I just wrote that down. Excuse me, Spud. What? Was that crack about one pulling something out of their butt when speaking to the public? Were you referring to our current commander-in-chief, Donald Trump? Well, you know... If so, I would disagree with your assertion. He's been so impressive in his knowledge of science and medical practices. Like he said, he gets this. And maybe he should have been a doctor instead of a highly successful businessman. You know, lucky How many for bankruptcies? all of us... He can do both at once now. Uh, Kate, uh, give me a moment here. You can drop the Mike Pence impersonation uh, unless you want to direct his total devotion and unconditional love thing towards me. Yeah, me. Uh, and, and yeah, I was referring to him. He should stop trying to talk longer than Governor Cuomo does with his briefings. You know, as he can pull them off without endangering people with bogus information. Less is more in his case, in Trump's case for sure. I have learned so much from President Trump's briefings, things that no one else has ever seen before. Yeah, well, let's hope they never see or hear them again. Now let me get back to Kate. All right, I am back. 
Um, do, do you think that <laughs> mankind is capable of doing the right thing in regards to the issues that could doom us all, like climate change, water and food shortages, future, you know, and future pandemics? I sure hope so. You know, if not, just lie to us and say everything's going to be okay. I honestly do think so. At least in the terms of climate change, I fully believe that chemists are going to save the world with that. There's a lot of different ways and a lot of different experiments that are happening right now of ways you can actually pull the carbon dioxide out of the environment and then transfer it into some other form of energy or store it. So I 100% believe that we will be able to pull the CO2 out. Um, I just hope it's on a fast enough time scale. So yes, there's an answer. I just hope it's fast enough. All right. Okay. Thank you for that. Well, well let me end this conversation with this last question. Kate, what has been your most memorable moment in science? Does anything stand out that you could share? In science? Yes. Ooh. Well, so I will say that in general, a lot of the most amazing discoveries have been discovered on accident. And so I think in general, in my opinion, it's when the scientists get the product they weren't expecting, and then they do something with it to figure out how amazing it is. So like Kevlar, the polymer Kevlar, mm -hmm. was almost thrown away. But a doctor, or a doctor, a, a, a chemist was like, no, I want to test this. And they started running all these tests on it and figured out it was Kevlar, which is bulletproof. Yeah. So it was this like cloudy solution she almost threw away. Um, so stuff like that, penicillin, all these things were discovered by accident. And I think it's just incredible when a scientist looks at a product and thinks there might be an application for it. All right. Okay. Well, I just want to say again that the world, <laughs> the world is in uh, is in the debt of all smart people right now. So we we thank you. So uh, uh, let let's say again that your new book, Kate the Chemist, the Big Book of Experiments, is now available wherever books are sold. And if not, just ask for it. Right. So, uh, yeah. so we want to thank you so much for spending a few moments with us. Thank you. Have a good one, Ms. Kate Bieberdorf. All right, well, I need to hear some more music right now. Here's a song by a Tacoma, Washington band, Cody Foster Army. Uh, this one's in honor of the band's guitarist, Dave Takata, who passed away last year and is seriously missed by the local music community. This is Makaloa. <laughs>
the excitement continues on the Spud Goodman Radio Show following this brief intermission. He had no money, he had no sense in his brain, he was for Goodman, but that didn't get in his way. He was a blind receiver on the wall of shame, and all the people joined in, cause they like how he swayed, he swayed like this. Spud Goodman. Spud Goodman. Spud Goodman. Spud Goodman. Spud Goodman. Spud Goodman. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Say, Spud, I know you hate to shop even before this public health crisis. Yes, yeah, that's There right. is no I in team, so I would like to offer you two. What? No, make that three rolls of toilet paper. Uh, I'll put it on my porch if you want to drop by and pick it up. Really? You know, I'm not out of it right now, but it would be good to stock up as everyone else is doing it. Uh, do you have enough? I mean, I don't want to take your last roll or anything. Oh, no, you know, we, we have a dozen cases or so. That is messed up, yo. You know, our family has stocked our home with all the essentials over the years, and we've stepped it up in the last couple of months. It all won't fit in our safe room, so we need to get rid of some of the things to make space for some of the larger items that we've ordered in bulk. Now, I've seen your basement. You, you have enough stuff to last until, like, the 2030s at least. You, you know what? Honestly, I'd prefer not to discuss our provisions on the air. Security reasons, you, you understand. Yeah, I, I guess. Uh, you know how I and others maybe, you know, made fun of all the preppers like you? Uh, yeah. Uh, well... It's not so funny now. I I hate to say you were smart and I was wrong, but no, well, no, I I just can't say it now. Maybe later. Hell will freeze over. You know, it would be a big step forward for you to actually admit you were wrong about something, Spud. I know you're critical of our president for never apologizing for anything in his lifetime, but you two are very similar with your reluctance to admit making a mistake. These guys, they make millions of dollars. They're smart as hell. Uh, please, that is a very hurtful thing you just said. Do not compare me to that man in any fashion. And then you wonder why some people don't like me, folks. <laughs> okay, I will admit I was wrong in criticizing you for being a prepper. You are set up for just about anything that could come your way, and I, yeah, I'm about to accept three rolls of donated toilet paper. Uh, I am appropriately shamed, okay? And, and, if you need a bar of soap, just let me know. We have 14 cases of Irish Spring deodorant bars, and I gotta say, I don't foresee us running out of that product for many, many years, so I could spare two if you need them. Two cases? N no, bars. What the hell, yo? Well... Does the soap have, like, that Aloha stuff? Uh, I only use soap with, with uh, that Aloha stuff in it because it's good for my skin. Yeah, I, I don't believe so, and I think it's pronounced aloe. So, so are you saying you don't want them? Well, uh, okay, I'll, I, I mean, it's free. I'll, I'll, I'll take the soap, okay? Um, say, say, do you have any excess cases of Kraft mac and cheese? Uh, I'm down to my last box. And, yeah. uh, I mean, I could live on that stuff for, like, a month if I had to. Yeah, you know what? But I'm sorry, I gotta hold on to all of our Kraft mac and cheese. The kids love it. I, I'm really? sorry about that. How about a few boxes of rice aroni? I, that's uh, frankly offensive. 
they're not too fond of that, so we may be overstocked with it. Yeah, rice-a-roni kind of sucks. How about a case of Chef Boyardee SpaghettiOs? I love them. Well... SpaghettiOs are one of my favorite meals. Ever Uh since I was a youngster, my mom couldn't keep enough of that around the house. But how many cases of SpaghettiOs do you have? I mean, come on. Maybe eight or nine. I'm not sure. You know, actually, I really do need to do a full inventory of our pantry. How about I check the expiration dates of the canned tuna we have, and if it's set to go bad before 2035, I'll put it aside for you. You know, because a lot of people eat tuna, it's like a lot of people eat chicken, so it's like the chicken of the sea. Sure, but I I don't follow those stupid dates of expiration anyway. If I did, I'd have to, like, empty out my fridge and cupboard totally. But, all right, enough talk about provisions. This isn't the walking dead time, okay? We're going to get through this, hopefully soon. Well, absolutely. Our family won't even be utilizing anything from our emergency supplies during this ordeal. You know, we're going to be just fine. If we need something, we'll just pick it up at Safeway. In in our hazmat suits, of course. Yeah. Oh. You know, I, I know you play the long game and everything. I, I just don't have the patience or foresight. You know? There, I just admitted another deficiency of mine. Stop being weak! Uh, Spud... Your next guest, Tony Dalton, is waiting to speak with you. Now, is Tony an actor? Uh, Yes, he is. A really good one. And I was told he's calling in from Mexico City right now. Mexico City. Now, that's in Mexico, right? Uh, Yes, it is. You know, he he co-starred in this season's Better Call Saul. He, he, He plays a very bad man, Lalo Salamanca. Okay. He's another one of those Better Call cast members. I know yes. you really like that show, but call it Saul. sure sounds a little too violent for me. Gosh, shows with constant mayhem are just too upsetting. Dude, Better Call Saul is a very nuanced show about a drug cartel, okay? It's not like most of the others that are on TV. It's a very unique story, a prequel to Breaking Bad. Yo, yo, yo! Jesse Pinkman in the house! There you go again with that show. No program with bad in it can be a good thing. Oh, you are wrong on that. And Tony, well, I got to say this, was also in one of my other favorite shows from a couple years ago. Senor Avila on HBO. He was a real badass on that one, too. He sounds very scary to me. Ooh, yeah. Uh, kind of. He's a really talented actor, so just, just put him through. Yeah, all right, here he is. Say hello to actor, screenwriter, and producer Tony Dalton. Uh, thanks for checking in with us. Hey, Spud. How you doing, man? Yeah. So you currently co-star in Better Call Saul, airing on AMC and available pretty much everywhere on demand, all the demand platforms on demand. Uh, this is a great show, and the latest season where you have assumed a, a major role is so good. A tip of the cap to you, fellow cast members, and the production staff. Yes, well, thank you. Yeah, the the the, the team that that I that will that, that I would get to work with here in Better Call Saul are, are amazing. The writers, the, the the actors, the producers, everybody's just on top of their game. Yeah, well, your character Eduardo Lalo Salamanca works for his uncle Hector, a very bad man. Now, you gave him that bell in his wheelchair. Do you think Vince Gilligan ever thought of like a buzzer or a horn instead when writing the script? Well, you know, maybe, probably not, because the bell did work out pretty well. But I'm just just curious. 
Uh, I don't know, man. I think that I think the belt was always the idea. I mean, I, I, but I, you'd have to ask Vince about that. All right, all right. I'm just curious. Well, we maybe had... there was like a little honking thing for like you know those bicycles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're right. The bell's probably the way to go. But yeah, all right. Um, Seems classier. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, well, we had Michael Mando on, and he remarked how the city of Albuquerque has embraced both the prior series Breaking Bad and now Better Call Saul. H- have you picked up the welcoming vibe there? Like you know, maybe getting a free cup of coffee or a donut while on your day off or something. Um. Well, no, because, uh, you know, when I was there, I, I still hadn't been on the air. So basically, they didn't realize. But uh, but but you you can tell that everybody's sort of very respectful for, uh, for, for, for the whole crew and the whole idea. Actually, you know what, now that you say it, I did get pulled over by oh. a cop oh. when I went to the White Sands because I was going a little bit fast on the way back from, from, from the desert. And, uh, you know, speeding just a little bit. I didn't realize it, and the guy stopped me, and I said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize it. And he goes, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm doing uh, Better Call Saul. Oh, you're doing Better Call Saul? All right, you can go. Go ahead, go. So they kind of let me go because of that. Oh, all right, that's pretty cool. Well, you know, I kind of have to ask you about one of my favorite shows, May It Rest in Peace, uh, Senior Avila, uh, still available for viewing on HBO via On Demand. Uh, you played a very interesting character, a conflicted hitman who was also a life insurance salesman. You were very scary at times, I have to say. Well, it's a job requirement when you're playing a villain, you know? You know, Spud? What? If I may interject here? Yes. I sure hope viewers of that show Tony was in, Senor Avia, I believe, where he played a life insurance salesman and a hitman on the side... Well, I hope people didn't get the impression that other life insurance salesmen were also on the wrong side of the law, too. You know, TV can be a very influential thing in shaping public opinion, and it can hurt sales, you know? Uh, hey, Tony, just a sec. I don't think it adversely affected the life insurance business here or in Mexico. Well, maybe so, but I'm sure glad that there have been no shows or movies with uh, a carpet and linoleum salesman being involved in illicit activities. I take pride in my other profession, away from being on the radio. It's been very good to me and my family financially. Did I mention this quarter I'm second in sales at South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum? South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. You had to get that free plug in again, didn't you? All right, just, just let me get back to Tony. Okay, okay. I, I just wanted to clear that up. All right, I'm back. Where where was I? Oh, yeah. That show was, and is, I mean, I, I st- I, actually, I have to say I watched it another episode last night just to go back and check it out. Uh, how, how was that experience? Uh, Senor Avila, that was amazing. I mean, you know, you get to play a... A hitman for hire and HBO series. <laughs> so it's a, a no brainer. It's amazing. Also, I was working with, um, with friends of mine that we kind of started off in this business together 20 years ago. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it was five, I think five or six years of my life because we did four seasons, but there was sort of a year and a half between them. <clears throat> right. And, uh, it was amazing. I mean, and it paid off at the end, you know, the, the series won an Emmy, uh, uh, the international Emmy. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it's, you know, it's doing the best you can for your work and then being recognized for it is, uh, 
is not something that happens a, a lot in his career. So it was amazing. It was a great experience. Well, speaking of of the term recognized, it, it is or was it weird, you know, to be instantly recognizable on the streets of Mexico and fairly anonymous in the U.S., where, where you, re, you do reside here a, a bit of the time too. No, no, I live in Mexico. But, um, but you're here a lot. You're here a bit. Not you? really. No. Oh, okay. Okay. I just go up to work and that's it. I come back. But, I mean, that was in that was in Albuquerque, but you know, shooting Saul. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's weird because you know the, you can never get kind of used to that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, being being recognized because it's sort of like I'm just doing my job. You know, uh, I appreciate it. I mean, it's wonderful to be able to walk down the street and have people uh, wanting to take a picture with you. I think it'd be you know a hell of a lot better to get all these doctors with all this coronavirus. Those are the real yes. people that need to be congratulated for their work and cops and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I mean, whatever comes, he's grateful for. All right. But you, you were born, born in the U.S., is that correct? Yeah, but I was only born there. I was there for like six months. Uh, I, I, my mom... My mom went back to Mexico when I was a baby. Okay. All right. Super. Well, is it me or, or does it seem that Mexico creates some of the best TV series going right now? Like like Tijuana. Uh, and I guess on a lighter note, like Club de Cuervos. I, I love that show. The House of Flowers. A bunch of others. With Netflix, it kind of breaks down the market barriers, which allows many to discover some really cool shows. So thank God for Netflix. Yeah. I mean... It's sort of like uh, it became because they, they kind of fight that 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 that, that throne of the, the sort of the mecca of Latin American productions, um, <clears throat> and Mexico for sure's got that right now. You yeah. know, it's, it's the place if you want to do something good in Spanish to come and uh, and shoot something. You know, more than more than anywhere else, more than Spain, more than Argentina, more than you know Colombia, which used to also have like its own sort of a industry but now Mexico's taking that by force especially with with Netflix coming down and putting you know some good money into into making some 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 nice TV productions yeah that, I don't know that a lot of the productions just seem to have a little bit of more a little more flair a little more creative edge than uh, maybe we have up here I don't know just that's just my take but uh, anyway um, so let me let me ask you this uh, are there any like long-term career goals that that are out there for you? Something that you really want to pursue in the future? I'm just curious. What, what what are you looking at maybe down the road? Well, you know, I mean, the thing about this uh, the, the thing about this career is that it's not really up to to uh, to an actor. Uh, and you know, once 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 you kind of get that through your head, because you know, you do castings and they pick you. So it's it's not something that you go well. What I would love to do is play a Bond villain, you know, or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's not up to any actor basically, because um, you're uh, you're you're constantly looking for work and uh, casting and auditioning. It's basically kind of where the wind takes you. I mean, what I would always try to what I've always tried to do is sort of look for projects that have quality, you know. So no matter what what the, what the project is, as long as you know there's. There's there's some quality there with the with the production team or with the writers or with the the, the idea the script or whatever, uh, and if you you know sort of put that as your uh, beacon, you'll always try to you know at least 
find things that are that are good, you know? Right, right. Well, I, I know you got to get going, so let me say again that you currently co-star in the AMC series Better Call Saul, and that this this season is amazing, so anybody that hasn't seen it needs to check it out. So just thank a, thanks a whole bunch for taking the time to speak with us. No, I really appreciate your time, guys. Thank you so much. All right, Mr. Tony Dalton. Plus size models. I am so over supermodels who are skin and bones. They all look like they would kill for four stale strawberry scones, or at least elbow someone in the nose for a couple of chocolate dipped ice cream cones. I am so over supermodels who are skin and bones, especially since they only date meathead professional athletes with perfect bodies and hair. It's just not fair. We need more plus-size models in all skin tones. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Hey, Spud, your last guest, Sarah Wayne Callies, is good to go. Okay, I, I know you're not familiar with her, but she's been on some very successful TV shows like, uh-huh. like Prison Break, The Walking Dead, you may have heard of that, uh, Colony, and, and now she has a new NBC show. You know, we sure have had a lot of those Walking Dead people yeah, on Yeah, I, I know, I know, I know. I was very bummed when she met her demise on that show years ago. She played Rick's wife. Let him know we're on our trail, doing everything we can, but most of all, keep everybody calm. And yeah, he he later got hooked up with another woman, and and it seemed to work out okay for him. But you know, Sarah was the mother of his son Carl. It was it was a little sad. Aren't most actors eaten at one time or another on that show? Yeah, uh, eventually a lot of them do meet an unhappy ending. But but some of them, you know, you, you kind of feel good about it afterwards. You know. It's never a time to cheer one getting eaten. Yeah, okay, fair point. I won't argue it. Uh, Just put her through. Here she is. Say hello to actress Sarah Wayne Callies. Uh, Thank you for coming on our show. Oh, thank you for having me. How you doing out in Seattle? Oh, pretty good. So uh, you have a new NBC series titled Council of Dads, airing on Thursdays at 8, 7 Central. Give us the basic premise of the show, if you would. It's a show with a lot of heart. It's going to make you cry. It's going to make you laugh. Um, Council of Dads is about uh, a family. There's five kids. Um, They come from all over. We've got stepkids. We've got adopted kids. We've got biological kids. We've got planned kids, surprise kids, the whole thing. Wow. And um, my husband, Tom Everett Scott, comes to me and he goes, okay, so I've been diagnosed with this aggressive form of cancer, and I've got a great plan in case I don't make it. I put together a group of guys, a council of dads, to help you raise the kids and to be there to answer the question, what would dad do in this circumstance? Isn't this an amazing plan? And my character, his wife, goes, I hate this plan. (laughs) Um, And the story goes from there because, you know, that plan involves admitting that her husband might not make it. And I didn't choose these guys. and that's where we start. All right. All right. Super. Well, looking forward to it. Uh, let me hit you with this. Looking back, you were cast in Prison Break, and your character, Sarah Tancredi, uh, 
was killed off in season three and then came back in season four. Outside of soap operas, it's very rare. I'm trying to think of others who have pulled off this death-defying act on a TV show. <laughs> um, outside of soap operas, it was very rare. And I'll be honest, it came as a total surprise to me. When they killed me off, I really thought that it was, and I think they thought that it was a, it was a, permanent, uh, a permanent death, as most deaths are. Right. Um, but, you know, the fans... They just weren't having it. It was it was actually a really extraordinary thing for me because I just had a baby. Um, I was on maternity leave. I wasn't watching any kind of television or doing anything. Um, and all of a sudden, I get a call, and they said, "Look, we're going to have to write you back on the show because fans kicked up a huge fuss, and uh, they want to make sure that you come back to the show." And it meant so much to me um, that people. Yeah. For sure. Took things into their own hands that way. It was incredible. Huh. Well, then I must bring up your role as Lori Grimes, wife of Rick on The Walking Dead. You, you know, a lot of viewers were kind of bummed when you met your demise. But here it is, again in season three. So a coincidence or maybe not? Well, it is interesting. This this demise, um, I think having seen what happened on Prison Break, they wanted to make sure I was good and dead. So they cut me open, shot me, and ate me. And there's really no coming back from that. Yeah, um, good point. Well, and then, if you go even further, Colony, I killed the whole show. The whole show ended uh, after season three. So I'm not sure if this Council of Dads will break that curse or if they'll kill me in season three, if we're lucky enough to well, get not. seasons two and three. Uh-huh. Um, I hope not, too. I, you know, I really love this. I have wanted to put a show like this out into the world for a long time, something that uh, relies on hope rather than tragedy and and faith in humanity rather than bleakness. And, right. You know, there's no violence, there's no guns. Um, I'm really proud of everything I've done in my career, but I looked back uh, about a year and a half ago and I went, wow, there's been a lot of violence. Um, and I want to do something that gives people hope. I want to do something about the best of who we can be to one another, even when times are hard. And this is a family that you know, this is a family that goes through some really tough stuff together and uh, figures out how to be there for one another and how to take care of each other. Right. Okay. Well, one quick, one, one more question on, on the Walking Dead thing, because the, the fans are fanatic worldwide. Uh, did you confront yeah. any people after your last appearance that, that, you know, afterwards that they seemed stunned and kind of happy to see you? Because some like me often have a tough time understanding TV as make-believe and not real. You know, I have heard the phrase, I'm so happy to see you not dead, yes. more in my life than I ever expected to. Um, and people are lovely. I mean, you know, I've heard, I've heard a lot of people express some really intense emotions that they had uh, with that character's death. And, you know, it's always beautiful as an actor to feel like what you did had an impact on somebody and that you, you, you brought somebody into close contact with their heart and <laughs> their emotions um that's an honor it's beautiful right well you mentioned colony uh you start in the sci-fi series it aired on the usa network again another genre that has fanatical followers people love their sci-fi shows and when they go yeah. away there are many disappointed fans did you sense the disappointment yeah, I mean, there was, you know, there were a couple of uh, Bring Colony Back campaigns that were really beautiful yeah, and that, that had so much heart. Um, you know, it was a show that ended, uh, I'm not entirely sure what the whole politics were. Um, 
But, you know, look, to get three years on a show like that, it was a great run. I loved working with that cast. They're still some dear friends of mine to this day. And, you know, again, like, I think we're in a really interesting era where fans can communicate with us directly. You know, when I was first coming up, right, during prison break, um, and even Walking Dead, I didn't have social media. And there's something now that I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter and I'm on Facebook that is really remarkable because people can communicate with you directly and tell you what the show means to them. Right. And that means something to us. It's, it's, it's a real gift. I came up in theater, right? And in theater, you know exactly what they think. You know, at the end of the play, they either clap or they don't. Um, and that kind of feedback, you know, it, that kind of feedback is good for us as actors. We're, we're performers. We like to be able to talk to people who are watching what we're doing and see how it affects them. For sure. Absolutely. You know, Spud, I so agree with Sarah on that point. Being able to interact with my fans on Facebook means so much to me. It makes all the hard work I put in worth it, you know? Uh, Sarah, I need a minute here. Uh, no, I don't. You're a freaking co-host. What hard work do you actually put in? Come on. You, well, you show up and you go home after the show. You're not you're not required to do anything. It's, it's just too risky. Uh, who knows what could happen if you were actually assigned duties? Listen, I put in many hours preparing before I show up to work at the studio. What I do may look effortless to our listeners, but it takes a great deal of work on my part. Yeah, my Facebook friends appreciate what I bring to the table. Really? Well, the last I saw, you had like 37 friends. And, and, and if we ever are successful, I do fully plan to dedicate a couple of hours a day planning out stuff. Okay? So but right now, it's, it's just not an effective use of my time. With that attitude, we never will be successful, Spud. Well, maybe not, but I have a life to lead, you know, too, outside of this show. Just let me return to Sarah. All right, I'm back. Let me close with this. You're actively involved with the International Rescue Committee, having worked on behalf of the agency like in the Middle East and Asia, I believe. Yeah. With the needs uh, from the current public health crisis worldwide, how, how can listeners find more about this organization that you work with? Well, so the International Rescue Committee uh, was founded in 1933 at the behest of Albert Einstein to get the Jews out of, uh, out of occupied Europe. And um, they're in, you know, we're in 144 countries worldwide. We've got 12 relocation centers here in the United States. And rescue.org, R-E-S-C-U-E.org, um, I think I spelled that right, is the website. Right. But I think right now, one of the big takeaways from this pandemic is that a lot of us are feeling refugee feelings. We're feeling uncertain about our children's future and their education. We're feeling afraid about our ability to earn a living and to stay in our homes. We're feeling concerned that our government might not be handling things the way that they need to handle them to keep us safe. Yes. There's food security issues. All of these things are things that refugees are feeling every day. And when I think about, you know, when I went to northern Iraq in, in the winter of 2013, right after the Arab Spring, um, those Syrian refugees that I was meeting with and that I was talking with back in 2013 are still refugees almost all of them. They're still living with that, um, that uncertainty and that fear and that panic every day, and it's been seven years. And so hopefully through this crisis, there's an opportunity for us as Americans and as a global community who have a little more stability to say, 
I can connect with those feelings. I can empathize with these feelings. And so as I move through this, I'm going to reach out and I'm going to make sure that the refugee community is protected as well. Because if we're feeling vulnerable, they're far more so than we are. And we can we can help. Yes, if not now, when, I would say. But yeah, absolutely. Exactly. We thank you for your work. All right, well, let me remind everyone that your new NBC series, Council of Dads, airs Thursday nights at 8, 7 central. Thank you so much for checking in with us. Thanks for having me, and please take good care of yourself out there in Seattle. Thank you, Ms. Sarah Wayne Callies. My, how time flies. But if I may say, this new setup, you know, with us operating from different locations, well, it does make me feel a bit separated from you. Not just the physical separation, but maybe even more so the emotional connection we've established over the last few years in the studio together. I know you must feel the same emotional void here as I do. Uh, no, no, I do not feel any emotional void with operating from different locations. Truth be told, I have asked our executive producer, uh, this is not really a secret, a few times over the last couple of years if we could do something like this in the studio. So it would give me, you know, some, some physical space to be myself and not have to deal with sharing the work area. Good call, yo. What are you saying? You want the station to construct walls or barriers to keep us all apart? Well, I just thought and continue to feel it might work better for the good of the show that you were placed somewhere other than right next to me, okay? When, you know, when this whole pandemic is over, I'm just saying, you know, maybe the, maybe they could move your mic to the hallway near the men's room would work. Well, it, it's just an unused space right now. People walk by it all the time, but never stay to utilize it. It would make a great workstation for you, don't you think? Um, come on. If you could just go ahead and make sure you do that from now on that would be great you'd have total privacy you know, except for dave he seems you know to have that overactive bladder because he's getting up to pee all the time yeah but i i don't want privacy in my workspace i enjoy being connected to everyone in the studio who in the heck would want to have their own workstation outside a bathroom well, maybe Dave would, as, as now he has to get up from his chair at the control board and walk all the way down the hall to the bathroom to pee, you know? You need to look at this from a different angle and be grateful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I will not be doing this, and I'll be making my position clear at our next staff meeting. Yeah, okay, fine. If you want to be a baby about it, we, we, we'll talk about it later. Hey, hey, they're saying we have a call coming in. Uh, you you kind of got to hang up and, and call back. How about that? Right before I sign off, because we only have two lines, one for famous people and one for regular people who call in. Just in case a celebrity calls in unannounced, we should really keep that line open. What? So wait, you want me to hang up from our own show? Seriously? Seriously. Well, yeah. I mean, we have a caller and... That's a higher priority on the show's food chain than a temporary co-host. Come on. Just just you know, check your emails or clip your toenails and just call back when I'm done with the caller. Yeah, well, for its temporary permanent co-host, and I guess what choice do I have? If you want me to hang up, I'll hang up. Uh, cool. Uh, caller, are you there? Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say that this social distancing thing is not really that bad. I really? kind of like it, really? except that uh, I've blown through pretty much 
anything decent on Netflix. I'm down to all the shows that don't speak English. Well, those are some of the best shows on Netflix. Did, didn't you hear my interview with the actor Tony Dalton earlier? Don't be an ugly American and embrace the different cultures around the world, man. Russia, if you're listening. Yeah, I heard it, but I don't have time to read during a movie. I have issues focusing. Anyway, all right, all right. don't you think that when this is over, people will be a lot different? I know it's liberated me for sure. Like, okay. before this hit, I always wore a mask in public. I kind of stood out, you know? But well, now uh, that well, I've... You wore a mask in the... public before? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but nowadays, I've blended into the crowd. I mean, it's awesome. My ex-wife, she wasn't too keen on me wearing them around the house over the years. Yeah. But uh, she was pretty judgmental about everything I did. Well... Can I ask why you wore a mask in public be- before the health crisis? I mean, do, do you have a like a medical situation that forced you to do it, like a, an immune deficiency or one of those things? No, I just put one on a few years ago, and I thought I looked really good in it. I mean, I wasn't blessed with a really strong chin, you know. My wife, she makes so many yeah, jokes about, about uh, well, my ex-wife make jokes about my lack of one. Yeah. I mean, I saw a guy on TV with a mask once, and I don't know if he was a criminal or something, but he looked really cool with it. So I went down and bought a few at the hardware store. All right. Now all right. I got a ton yeah. in, like, every color because I dye them myself. Like, right now, I'm talking to you. Wearing a purple tie-dye one. Yeah, okay. Plenty of flair yeah. on my end. Okay, super. You know, I have a couple of masks right now, and I will wear one out in public now, but I just don't look that great in one. Yes! Oh, you'd be surprised how a top-notch mask that's all matched up with the clothes or hat you're wearing puts, like, the cherry on top, so to speak. Masks are the future in fashion. Excellent. Yeah, I, I guess I could catch on. It, it, but it's tough to drink beer and eat pizza with one on, because, and I know that now, because if, if you forget to pull them down at the appropriate time, it can get really messy and greasy, too. Well, when, when it's time for a cocktail or a beer, I just put one on that has a hole for the straw. It works fine. Yeah, but that kind of defeats the purpose, but, you know, it, you know, if it works for you, that's great. Yeah, I got to go now, man. Uh, they're telling me that my temporary co-host is calling back, and he's probably a little upset. So thank you very much for uh, jumping into the conversation. Hey, dude, you know you really didn't have to call back because I could close the show without you. Yeah, don't, don't worry, Spud. I'm here, and it seemed like I was off the air for a long time. Seek immediate medical help for an erection lasting more than four hours. Well, what, what can I say? Our listeners come first, or, yeah. or at least third or fourth. Come on. Right now, I need to sign off, so just keep it down. Here we go. You, I, I did have a few things I wanted to say before we wrap this episode up, Spud. Could I? No, no, I'm sorry, just... but they're waving at me to, to say goodbye. Uh, I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. The Spud Goodman Show is written and directed by Spud Goodman. Executive producer, Lori Madsen. Produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Engineered by Trevor Jastad and recorded at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Associate producer, TJ Pites. Video director, Wyatt Young. Production assistants, Brian Martin and Chance Morrison. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. On-air talent, Rob McGee, David Deere, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2020 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking.